Moncrief on News Talk. Now, because of the biopic, there's been a lot of focus at the moment about Napoleon. Uh, he died on the Isle of Saint Helena, where it said one of the few one of his few joys was drinking coffee. That may well be true. Saint Helena's coffee is among the most expensive in the world. You can get it in Harrods, where three and a half ounces of the stuff sells for ninety six pounds. The travel journalist Mark Stratton stretched his expense account to the limit by writing about this for the Telegraph. Afternoon, Mark. Good afternoon, Sean. Uh, could you start by telling us a bit about Saint Helena? Is it, is it? I've always been fascinated by it because it sounds like a a little bit of Britain, just in the you know floating in the middle of the Atlantic, not really close to anywhere. Well, it, it, look, it's a very long journey. Um, I, I went out there in 2012, uh, and I took a ship, and it took five days from Cape Town. And then a few years later, they uh, they had an, air, an airport built, and um, so now it's a five-hour flight from Johannesburg, so still a really long journey. And it's a tiny volcanic island. Uh, it's quite green, has big, steep cliffs, around 4,000 people, and a lot of history. And as you said, it's where Napoleon lived uh, between... Uh, 1815 and 1821, and he died on the island. Uh, it's a fascinating little place. Mm. Is it? Does it feel remote, or you know, can you get all the TV channels and communicate with the outside world and all that kind of thing? Well, look, look, yeah, that's an interesting point you raised there. Because actually, when I first went there, there was literally no internet. Nobody was using uh, mobile phones at all, and it really felt remote after five days at sea. Um, now it, it, it still has that sense of remoteness, um, but it, it's a little bit more in tune with the modern world. But things have remained quite old-fashioned. It, it's kind of like stepping back into sort of 1970s, 1980s Britain. And um, I, I was saying to your researcher this morning that um, I, I, I took a few friends there out for, for drinks in a, in a local pub. And I spent £8.70 on a round of four drinks. So <laughs> that's something for the past, isn't it? Oh, right. So it does have uh, 70s and 80s prices there then as well. In some things, yeah. I mean, some, some things not so, but um, because uh, it's obviously, it, it's a fair amount of money to import uh, materials. Mm. Uh, a lot of it comes in from um, South Africa. But um, yeah, it's, it's still got a, um, it's got a very old fashioned feel about it. And, and it's just lovely. It's a lovely place. Yeah. And so, like, what are the, are, well, I know there's industries there. Well, how do people make a living there? Well, um, it, it's it's not a highly prosperous society. Um, it is funded by uh, uh, the British taxpayer. It's a British overseas territory, so there is a remittance. Uh, uh, well, there is a there is a, a grant given to the island every year, and a lot of the islanders, uh, particularly the young, they go overseas and work, and um, they send remittances back from where they're earning, and um, and so that helps uh, with the local population. Otherwise, it's a sort of service economy. Um, a little bit of fishing and uh, a tiny, tiny bit of coffee growing. Yeah. Okay. And uh, everyone speaks English there. What kind of an accent do they have? Would you place it regionally? Accent, yeah. Difficult. Look, I, I'm I'm from um, Devon, down in the southwest of England, and um, there's a little bit of a southwestern twang. I think I can hear, mm. but it's a real mixture, Sean. I'd I'd, I'd really. I'd really, as a as a non sort of linguist, I would probably hate to sort of uh, uh, come out with some wild guesses of what what it actually speaks. But they, they do sound very very um, different. Yeah. Um, in the, in their accent, but everybody's English speaking, so um, 
and uh, yeah, extremely friendly population. And so, the, the uh, growing coffee there, the, the uh, is it is it just like one place that grows the coffee, or or, or, or a limited amount of uh, places that do it? No, they 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 have one. Uh, they have a company called uh, Solomon, which um, which is kind of like a mini uh, uh, trading company, and they probably have the biggest plantations. But we're only talking about four acres here, so they're quite small. And the rest of the producers, and I think I counted around five or six, are actually just um, uh, local people or local people who've, who've married um, overseas uh, overseas uh, partners who set up a little plantation around their houses and are really growing at a small amount. So, so one of the one of the um, uh, one of the plantations I mentioned is it was it's called Rosemary Gate and. That was a couple that came over from Sheffield in England, and they set up a little uh, plantation, and initially just as a hobby uh, or a sort of retirement hobby, and they en- ended up becoming uh, the, the main supplier to Harrods in mm. uh, in London. So, um, so it's very, very small scale. Yeah. So, I mean, we can already see because uh, production is so limited and it has to travel such a long way uh, that mm. uh, that would automatically, I suppose, uh, make it expensive. Uh, in terms, though, of how it compares to other uh, coffees, would you put it up there, Mark? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely expensive. One of the unique things about this, if you can imagine this, uh, it was said it was said um, that Napoleon Bonaparte, one of the few joys he had on St. Helena Island, was drinking coffee. Now, we're talking about a coffee here, which has never been cross-fertilized um, with any other varieties. It arrived on the island in 1733, <clears throat> and it, um, it's a unique coffee from Yemen, uh, an Arabica bean. And so it's never been cross-fertilized. So you're actually tasting the same coffee now, albeit prepared slightly differently, perhaps, um, as Napoleon would have been tasting back in the 1815, 1821 period he was there. So um, so that adds to the, the, the cost, as well as low production. So, um, and, you know, it makes for a pretty expensive coffee. You can buy it on the island in small bags, but they're around about £10 a bag. And as a result, the local people don't actually drink the, the coffee. Huh. Their coffee is all imported in from, say, like South Africa. Um, there, there's a couple of, but there's, there's one cafe on the seafront um, which does sell it. They've got a small plantation and they roast beans for the islanders. And you can get a cup of coffee for around about um, two euros. Right. Okay. And and uh, taste why would it be a particularly strong or, or or mild coffee? It's very mild, Sean. It's 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 it's, it's quite low in caffeine. I'm told. Um, quite a mild taste, um, but very flowery. Nice sort of citrusy notes going through it. And um, but I think it's very much how you prepare it as a coffee, and how how richly it's roasted. So not much of this coffee is roasted on the island. A lot of it is exported as green beans to be roasted overseas. But if you roast it on the island, if you give it a darker roast, it gets a slightly more intense taste. And uh, another plantation called Rangham's, um, the owner there made me uh, an espresso with this and it was absolutely delicious. Um, and more intensity and that lovely sort of floral taste to it. So, um, But generally, it's a mild coffee. Yeah, Long way to go for a cup of coffee, uh, uh, but, Mark, but uh, fascinating place, fascinating story as well. Mark, thanks a million for uh, speaking with us today. That was the travel journalist, uh, Mark Stratton there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2 p.m. on News Talk.